the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing Dave King Engineering, and we're glad to have you with us. In our second hour, a conversation with uh, Mark Hitchcock, author of, or I should say, co-author of Global Reset, do current events point to the Antichrist and his worldwide empire that's coming up in the second hour of today's program. We'll also spotlight a Christian astronaut who's going to pilot uh, NASA's first crewed moon mission in over 50 years. More about that in the second hour of today's program. First, taking a look at some of the day's headlines, the Biden administration unveiled the most stringent vehicle emission standards ever on Wednesday as part of its pitch to strong-arm car makers and consumers into transitioning to electric vehicles. This is good news for China, as many of the minerals necessary to create those batteries are in China, and the child labor that harvesting some of those other essential minerals uh, requires is bad news for them. Well, the White House announced that the EPA is considering two new emissions rules as part of a plan to ensure that electric vehicles make up 50 percent of new auto sales by 2032. EPA estimates that by 2032, if finalized, the proposals, the, the proposed rules rather could result in electrification of 67 percent of new sedans, crossovers, SUVs and light trucks, 50 percent of new vocational vehicles such as buses and garbage trucks, 35 percent of new short haul freight tractors and 25 percent of new uh, low haul uh, freight tractors. Uh, the White House statement said now whether or not we have the electric uh, infrastructure to handle all of that and the numbers that are proposed moving forward remains to be seen. Cars and trucks manufacturers have made clear that the future of transportation is electric. The statement continued. The market is moving. Well, car and truck manufacturers are under pressure from the government to produce such vehicles, but only about 40 percent of uh, the people say that they're willing to buy them. Well, the first EPA rule would target emissions of greenhouse gases and pollutants from passenger cars, vans and light trucks. The second rule would update vehicle emission standards for greenhouse gas emissions from buses, freight trucks and other heavy duty vehicles. And the most aggressive proposal would have the uh, auto industry cut emissions in passenger cars and pickups by half from 2026 to 2032. It is ambitious. uh, Gas-powered vehicles make up one of the largest sources of greenhouse gas emissions, and the administration has consequently zeroed in on the auto industry in an effort to comply with the Paris Agreement, in which it pledged to cut emissions by 50 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. This aggressive plan raises a number of concerns for automakers and consumers. Gas-powered vehicles still make up 90 percent of the market share of new vehicles, reflecting the fact that electric vehicles are more expensive, in some cases much more expensive. And while automakers are selling more electric vehicles, the plans would accelerate the process drastically. The underlying infrastructure is not there to support such a shift. The cost of rare minerals needed for electric vehicle batteries remains high. And um, there are also concerns surrounding the availability of charging stations and affordable electric vehicles. Analysis and 
um, words from others who are overseeing the project say this level of government intervention from Washington may backfire, complicating government industry cooperation. Well, we'll continue to follow the story as it develops. And yes, it will develop. Some experts are arguing that the administration can institute as many mandates as it likes, but consumer willingness to buy electric vehicles is still controlling. Uh, If electric vehicles remain costly and inaccessible, they will be tough to sell. We'll continue to follow that story. Meanwhile, a source close to Donald Trump has revealed that the former president filed a lawsuit today against his ex-attorney, Michael Cohen, demanding more than $500 million in damages. This is an action arising from Cohen's multiple breaches of fiduciary duty, unjust enrichment, uh, conversion and breaches of contract by virtue of Cohen's past service as Trump's employee and attorney, the lawsuit first detailed, says. Well, the 30-page legal filing submitted to the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida accuses Cohen of breaching attorney-client privilege and unjustly enriching himself at Trump's expense. The lawsuit points to Cohen's public statements, including the publication of two books, a podcast series, and innumerable mainstream media appearances, which demonstrated malicious intent for entirely self-serving ends. Again, the lawsuit, such continuous and escalating improper conduct by Cohen has reached a proverbial crescendo and has left Trump with no alternative but to seek legal redress through this action. The lawsuit states, adding that Trump has suffered vast reputational harm as a direct result of Cohen's breaches. The news uh, comes barely a week after the former president appeared in court in New York City last Tuesday to be arraigned on fraudulent business charges brought by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's filed a lawsuit of his own against members of Congress. Well, the 34 felony counts stem from hush money payments the former president made to Stormy Daniels, or at least allegedly made, uh, in the lead-up to the 2016 presidential election to conceal his alleged affair. The indictment released after Trump's court appearance alleges that the former president hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. He was just a candidate at that time and that he orchestrated a, a scheme with others to influence the election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to surpass to suppress rather its publication. Cohen, then uh, Trump's personal attorney, made the controversial payment to Daniels, who in turn was later reimbursed by the former president, at least allegedly so. Cohen appeared before an unpaneled grand jury in Manhattan investigating the, the hush money payment in early March to testify. Consequently, the former president's attorney uh, has uh, turned into a key state witness in Bragg's uh, uh, against uh, Trump in Early 2023, Cohen and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office reached a uh, detente, which saw him visit their office at least seven times to collaborate with state attorneys, the New York Times reported. Trump, who initially denied any knowledge of the payments to Daniels, later defended it as a simple private transaction and accused Cohen of lying to secure a lighter sentence. My uh, Michael Cohen is lying and he's trying to get a reduced sentence for things That have nothing to do with me, the president told reporters outside the White House at the time. And again, the uh, saga continues. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue to walk our way through some of the news headlines, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Want to let you know that you have an opportunity to win $2,000 for mom. Just think what you could do for the special mom in your life if you had $2,000 to spend on her. 
Well, it's time for our annual Mother's Day $2,000 giveaway at kpdq.com. You can enter once each day and complete bonus activities to increase your chances of winning. Make this year's Mother's Day extra special. Enter the 2K giveaway for mom at kpdq.com. Well, Republican South Carolina Senator Tim Scott announced an exploratory committee for president today, his first step in entering the 2024 race. I know that America is a land of opportunity, not oppression. I know it because I've lived it, Scott said in a video. I will never back down in defense of the conservative values that make America exceptional. And that's why I'm announcing my exploratory committee for president of the United States, end quote. Scott described his positive experience in America and intends on defending the Judeo-Christian values that make the country great, according to the video. The senator has been widely perceived to run for the Republican nomination in 24, and the video announcement is the latest indication of his aspirations. I will never back down in defense of the conservative values that make America great. Well, in the campaign-like video, he listed some of the things he might do as president, standing up to China, restoring job opportunities, parental rights and education, solving the border crisis, defending streets from crime, and protecting the right to life. President Joe Biden, he went on to say, and the radical left have chosen a cultural grievance over greatness. They're promoting a victimhood over responsibility, and they're indoctrinating our children to believe that we live in an evil country. And all too often, when they get called out for their families, for their failures, rather, they weaponize race to divide us, to hold on their um, onto their power. Uh, The Republican uh, senator is African-American and is so far the only African-American announced in the race. Well, backlash to Bud Light's um, celebration of transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney's 365 Days of Girlhood, Dylan, of course, being a male, doesn't appear to be dwindling. Uh, This boycott seems to have more legs than most, so says Justin Kendall. He's the editor of beer industry trade publication Brewbound. Speaking to the New York Post, it started out as a conversation on social media and has breached into mainstream media, Kendall said. Bud Light is the best-selling beer in the country, or at least it was. Well, the trans activists revealed earlier this month that the beer company sent packs of Bud Light featuring the influencer's face as a way to celebrate a full year of girlhood that Mulvaney's recently reached. Mulvaney said the cans were her most prized possession on Instagram with a post featuring Bud Light partner. A video then featuring uh, Mulvaney in a bathtub drinking a Bud Light beer as part of the campaign, but the uh, the pact was met with significant criticism. Country music singer John Rich said he pulled cases of Bud Light from his Nashville bar as part of the boycott against Anheuser-Busch. Conservative rocker Kid Rock used several Bud Light cases for target practice in a viral video, and there's been widespread backlash on social media. Well, now the king of beers is paying homage to the newest cultural zeitgeist by paying trans activist Dylan Mulvaney to prod growing uh, grown men into dressing like Audrey Hepburn while drinking beer for a drink that was once a blue collar staple of middle America. This isn't a winning sales strategy. It's a way for the CEO to signal his virtue while alienating a customer base that is too afraid to say say so out loud. That's a quote from Vivek Ramsway. Uh, She's a GOP presidential candidate. Bud Light's vice president of marketing uh, did an interview with the podcast Make Yourself at Home prior to the uh, controversy. This was in the latter part of May where she discussed her work in transforming Bud Light, uh, the brand. She said she had a super clear mandate to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand, even disparaging Bud Light's past branding. 
So far, it hasn't worked all that well. And according to this uh, publication that uh, brewers do pay attention to, uh, it actually has legs and it uh, hasn't been a winning strategy for the beer maker. Two dozen Republican lawmakers are demanding answers from the Pentagon after Walter Reed National Military Medical Center sent a cease and desist letter to Catholic priests to stop providing care during Holy Week, slamming the move as a violation of the First Amendment. Twenty-four Republican members of Congress penned a letter to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. In the letter, obtained exclusively by Fox News Digital, the lawmakers blast the Biden administration's attack on the Christian faith. Last week, Walter Reed National Military Medical Center sent a cease and desist letter to Holy Name College Friary, a group of Catholic priests, ordering them to stop providing pastoral care at their facility, the letter reads. The same group of priests have served at Walter Reed for almost 20 years, and this order came days before Easter. Forcing priests to stop providing care during Holy Week is not only morally wrong, but also a violation of the First Amendment, the members of Congress wrote. While the lawmakers praise the Catholic priests who have stood alongside our service members through the darkest days of our history, they joined American service members on the battlefield and provided care to all in need, the letter says. Well, the lawmakers are demanding answers from Austin on why the Biden administration sent the cease and desist letter and why the administration chose to terminate the contact uh, with the Holy Name College Friary. It's not made not been made clear. The lawmakers also claim that the Archdiocese of the military informed them that the contract for providing pastoral care was awarded to a for-profit secular company that does not provide pastoral care. Who was awarded the contract and why, they asked, requesting further contact information, applications, review comments, the award letter, and all internal emails and documents related to the contract. This attack on the Christian faith by the administration during Holy Week is unconscionable, the lawmakers wrote, demanding answers by the 21st of this month. The Defense Health Agency says that uh, there was no cancellation of Catholic services at Walter Reed, especially during Holy Week. Palm Sunday Mass was conducted by the Catholic priest assigned to the hospital, and there were services on Holy Thursday and Good Friday. On Easter Sunday, confessions were offered as well as Mass celebrated by the Catholic priest, the Defense Health Agency spokesperson said. The agency also uh, said that in an email that a contract was not terminated, so it's a bit fuzzy. As with most contracts that have a beginning and an end, this contract originally ended on December 31st and was extended until March 31st. The contractor was aware of the contract end date, the spokesperson said. A new contract was awarded to a different company effective April 1st. When the previous contractor continued to provide services after April 1st, a cease and desist letter was sent stating the former contractor could not perform services since they were not under contract. Well, the spokesperson added the current contract is under review to ensure the right services are being provided, but there was absolutely no loss of Catholic services to the community. Well, the um, uh, Miller said that uh, priests and pastors guided our troops through the darkest days of our toughest battles and should be allowed to continue. The Pentagon, though, said that there was an active duty army priest providing Catholic coverage for at least that week. Two senior U.S. defense officials said that the decision surrounding the renewal of the contract was not handled by the Office of the Secretary of Defense and did not involve the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The official said the decision was not made by the Pentagon. Instead, an official said the contract was handled by the Defense Health Agency. Whether or not that decision stands remains yet to be seen. 
Well, a coffee chain closed a location in Portland, citing the extreme violence and crime that its employees have endured. Portland was once viewed as a quirky city for artists and creatives on America's West Coast. But as crime and homelessness have spiked, businesses and citizens are fleeing for safer locations. Coava Coffee Roasters, a local Portland chain, declared with a heavy heart that it will shut down one of its locations due to lawlessness in the area. We've decided to permanently close our downtown Portland cafe. It was on Jefferson Street with the last full day of operating being on Thursday, April 13th. The chain wrote on its Instagram post. The team members at this cafe have been on the front line enduring extreme violence and criminal activity on an almost daily basis for the last few years. Crime and violence that is only increasing in frequency and severity. It added that further that this uh, crime has ranged from theft to physical displays of violence, threats of harm, break ins, window smashing and repeated traumatic in cafe incidents where both staff and patrons feel unsafe. The coffee chain went on to say it had uh, tried multiple methods to mitigate lawlessness in that region of Portland, but to no avail. We brought all resources to bear that we have access to, doubling up on shifts, locking one interest, de-escalating training, hazard pay, and heightened management oversight, but again, to no avail. Such little progress on both increasing housing and curbing unsanctioned camping is particularly frustrating, considering the state saw one of the biggest increases in its homeless population in the country in 2020 to 2022. Letting people live in the elements, many of whom suffer from untreated mental illness or substance addiction without access to services and at greater risk to homicidal violence, isn't compassionate. One other business in the Portland area bites the dust. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, Mark Hitchcock, co-author of Global Reset, Do Current Events Point to the Antichrist and His Worldwide Empire, the book published by Thomas Nelson. Well, more than 2,000 residents were told to evacuate Tuesday afternoon after a large fire broke out at a recycling plant in Indiana, sending plumes of black smoke into the sky. The fire broke out in the city of Richmond, which is about 70 miles east of Indianapolis and near Ohio's western border. Indiana State Police said the blaze was at the former Hofco factory, which closed in 2009. Wayne County EMA said that the evacuation order applied to residents and persons within miles of the fire. Those outside that zone were advised to keep windows closed and pets inside. A green energy firm with close ties to the White House was among the very first companies to take advantage of tax incentives in the Inflation Reduction Act, Democrats' flagship climate package. Uh, Form Energy, a Massachusetts-based company that's developed a utility-scale iron-air battery system, announced in December, just four months after the Congress passed and the president signed the IRA, that it would invest up to $760 million to construct a factory in Weirton, West Virginia. The factory is among the first clean energy projects to directly benefit from the IRA and has been touted by the White House. Congress passed the, uh, the legislation largely along party lines in August of last year. The legislation, which Democrats have heralded as the crowning achievement of the Biden administration, was mainly able to pass the Senate as a result of West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin's support. Republican lawmakers in North Carolina are poised to push ahead with school choice legislation and other education reforms, a key policy area where the GOP has surged um, with uh, with, uh, momentum, rather, following the high-profile defection of a Democratic lawmaker. 
State Representative Tricia Cotham announced last week that she's joining the Republican Party after serving her deep blue Charlotte area district as a Democrat. And while North Carolina Republicans already held strong majorities in both chambers of the state legislature, Cotham's decision gave Republicans a veto-proof supermajority in the House in what observers describe as a political earthquake. The threat of a veto from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper had prevented Republicans from implementing much of their agenda, but now the GOP has a clearer path to push a wide range of legislation, including on school choice, and it is a swing state. President Biden's Justice Department offered what critics are calling a sweetheart plea deal to a vandal who admitted to defacing a Catholic church with profane graffiti, destroying a statue of Virgin Mary, assaulting a church worker and resisting arrest. A plea agreement shows the Department of Justice recommends zero jail time for the perpetrator, a 31-year-old transgender individual who vandalized the St. Louis Louise Catholic Church in Bellevue, Washington, following Roe v. Wade's overturning last Uh, June. The Vandals plea deal sharply contrasts with the Biden administration's earlier approach to throwing the book at pro-life protesters outside abortion clinics. It's very clear that the administration and the Justice Department have politicized and weaponized the FACE Act to go after pro-life Christians praying outside the abortion clinics like Mark Houck while turning a blind eye to violent felons terrorizing and badly damaging churches. Uh, Mike Davis, founder of Article 3 Project, points out. A Russian journalist who fled the country in 2020 and was repeatedly interrogated at the notorious prison holding Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich said the psychological pressure of the place makes it a particularly difficult place to endure. It's very unpleasant because now he's completely alone. Uh, Andrei Solotov told the News Digital on Monday Uh, Gershikov, the first American journalist held in Russia since the collapse of the Soviet Union, was arrested last month on espionage charges widely considered dubious. His case has captured the world's attention and the Biden administration has officially designated him wrongfully detained, which um, Dow Jones CEO Almar Latour praised Monday as showing commitment to securing his employees release. Meanwhile, he languishes in the uh, uh, Lefortovo prison in Moscow, the site of many of executions during the Great Purge under dictator Joseph Stalin. Left-wing students protested the existence of a debate, now a debate, mind you, on the legality of transgender procedures for minors, claiming such a discussion could be offensive to the LGBTQ community. Vanderbilt University's college Republicans hosted the debate on the 4th of April, taking up the issue of a Tennessee bill which effectively prohibits health care providers from administering gender transition procedures to individuals under the age of 18. The contentious bill signed by Governor Bill Lee on March 2nd takes effect on July 1st. And apparently even debating a subject where both sides are fairly presented is unacceptable on some university campuses. A coffee chain closed in its um, location in Portland and others have um, preceded and will follow. And Laura Ingram observes that this massive intel breach that uh, the Pentagon is uh, concerned about tells the world that we can't keep our secrets secure. A Florida landlord said she's giving up on real estate as a source of income while in retirement after spending thousands of dollars fighting to get squatters out of one of her properties. I should say professional squatters. They're calling them serial squatters as well. 
Well, the owner um, uh, regained control of the property, the house, after squatters illegally occupied it for some 30 days and left $38,000 in damage. They were selling the home. They had a buyer. But once the squatters settled in, that fell through. According to the police report, the squatters said they found the house listed on Zillow. They claimed to be victims of a rental scam by a false landlord. One of the squatters told police that she paid rent, a security deposit and pet deposit in case in cash for the house. According to Zillow's website, the property was not and was never listed as a rental at the time the two women moved in. Police discovered that one of the squatters was caught in a nearby, uh, a nearly identical, uh, identical situation at a nearby home and was evicted in mid-February. This was a scam. In the last uh, lease, the same address was listed for the fraudulent landlord, according to the police report, raising suspicions that the lease was fabricated. Police were unable to help her because the situation has to go through the courts. They're simply going from property to property to property and getting free room and board in segments of 20 or more days. It took them 34 days to get the squatters to leave in this case. Again, serial squatters who know the law. Well, the Biden administration involved itself in the raid of former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home, despite reports that its officials were stunned to find out about the news on social media, according to the group America First Legal, which obtained internal government documents related to the raid through the Freedom of Information Act. And nearly two weeks after Russian security agents picked up Evan Gershkovich at a restaurant during a Uh, reporting trip, Moscow still hasn't granted U.S. embassy officials permission to visit the Wall Street Journal reporter in detention, a pattern that follows other cases of American citizens jailed in Russia. Walmart is planning to close half of its stores in Chicago. They're not citing crime as a reason for the loss of revenue, but we all know that it is a contributing factor. Bloomberg reports that Walmart Inc. is closing four stores in the Windy City, having its footprint in the third largest U.S. city after years of mounting losses. The closing marks a retreat from the nation's largest retailer, which faces tough competition in Chicago from the likes of Target, Albertsons and Aldi. Walmart said it had tried and failed to improve its performance by building smaller stores, localizing its merchandise offerings and investing $70 million in recent years on store upgrades, health facilities and a training center to no avail. The DNC's 2024 convention will be held in Chicago. The Democrats um, have chosen uh, the city. Nothing says uh, look at what Democrats can do quite like a city Uh, like Chicago. California is attempting to make it more challenging to change bad state laws. Democrats hold um, every statewide office in California and super majorities in the legislature. Apparently that's not enough. So now they're seeking to entrench their, uh, their power by making it harder for voters to block their laws. Unions and green groups are pushing legislation that would create enormous new hurdles to ballot initiatives that repeal or alter laws passed within the prior two years. The so-called ballot reforms are, un- are intended rather to stop well-powered Uh, sets of interests that often undermine the collective will of the people of California, says the bill's assembly sponsor, Isaac Bryan. Um, By well-powered interests, he means the voters. His legislation would undermine direct democracy while cementing union and progressive power. The sum of all this is to create a procedural minefield for voters who have to navigate if they uh, want to challenge a new state law, make even a small paperwork mistake, and tens of thousands of voter signatures could be nullified.
The Department of Justice is providing congressional leaders access to classified materials recovered from the homes of Biden, Trump and Pence. The Justice Department has started to provide access to the group of bipartisan congressional leaders. Some of the the classified material recovered from the residences of the former presidents and the former vice president. Administration officials began sharing the documents with House and Senate leadership, as well as the Democratic and Republican leaders of the House and Senate Intelligence Committee, known as the Gang of Eight, last week. One of the largest supermarkets in downtown San Francisco closed its doors this week due to deteriorating street conditions nearby. Increased drug use and crime near the Whole Foods on 8th and Market, which opened just one year ago, contributed to the store's closing. The crime wave is... That has hit the city shows no sign of abating. San Francisco has been experiencing lower foot traffic due to remote work, which has caused many small businesses to shut down and street conditions to deteriorate. The city's ability to deal with its continued problem is compounded by a deficit which has ballooned to nearly $800 million. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, talking about some of the day's headlines and in the second hour, a conversation with Mark Hitchcock, co-author of Global Reset. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up after the top of the hour, a conversation with Mark Hitchcock, co-author of Global Reset. We'll also take a look at a Christian astronaut who's going to pilot NASA's first crewed moon mission in over 50 years. That's coming up in the second hour of today's program. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg on Tuesday filed a lawsuit against the U.S. House Judiciary Committee and its GOP chairman, Representative Jim Jordan, alleging Republican lawmakers were illegitimately interfering with his prosecution of former President Trump. The lawsuit filed in federal court in Manhattan alleges that Mr. Jordan and his committee have mounted a brazen and unconstitutional attack on Mr. Bragg's investigation in asking the federal judge to block a subpoena the White House uh, served on Mr. Uh, Pomerantz, a former prosecutor who worked on the Trump investigation. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi hatched a plan with his top aides to produce and ship over 40,000 rockets to Russia, which has uh, depleted its supply of ammunition during a 13-month invasion of Ukraine, according to leaked U.S. intelligence documents. The top secret or not so top secret documents are part of a trove of classified material that's been leaked on various social media sites in recent months. If the documents concerning Egypt are true, it could upend America's relationship with one of its closest allies in the Middle East and North Africa. Providing arms to Russia for its war in Ukraine would represent a potentially explosive gambit for Egypt, a nation that, despite deepening ties with Moscow, remains deeply invested in its partnership with the United States, which for decades has provided the uh, Carroll country more than a billion dollars a year in security. States like California and Washington are rushing to stockpile thousands of abortion pills after a Texas judge suspended FDA approval of Mifepristone, which is part of a regimen that... uh, constitutes the most common method of procuring an abortion. California negotiated and purchased an emergency stockpile of the drug. More than 250,000 pills have already arrived and 2 million more are being purchased through CalRx. Washington state has purchased 30,000 doses uh, through the state's correctional system and an additional 10,000 through the University of Washington. Uh, Two competing decisions have left uh, its future in question. Joe Biden has repeatedly claimed that he never had any involvement in his son Hunter's business dealings, yet the more records come to light, the more his claim is exposed as, well, less than accurate. 
Well, Fox News recently obtained records which show that associates of Hunter, now defunct investment firm, Rosemont Seneca Advisors, met with then-Vice President Biden more than 80 times. This includes Joan Mayer, then-Vice President of Rosemont Seneca, who met with the Vice President at least 17. The long list of Hunter's business associates who met with the Vice President while he was in office further exposes the scope of his influence-peddling scheme, or at least that's what's being alleged. According to a recent release study from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the government poses a greater threat to corporate profits than it did a decade ago. A review of publicly traded companies found that concerns over the threat of government action via new regulations and increased taxation have grown as a risk assessment by 27 percent since 2011. Indeed, over that same period of time, risk assessments regarding non-government threats to corporate profits Things such as lawsuits or rising business costs have effectively remained flat. So what accounts for this growing concern over the threat of negative government impact? The simple answer, well, policy from the administration and his party. With Washington increasingly being controlled, with those who have increasingly embraced socialist ethics and a vengeful approach to business, corporations are right to be concerned. Researchers at Dartmouth College have some good news for Major League Baseball's sluggers, And bad news for pitchers. According to a study published in Bulletin of the American Meteorological Society, if global warming continues at the current rate, it will boost the total number of home runs by 10 percent by 2100. The researchers claim that more than 500 home runs since 2010 are attributable to historic warming. That's because warmer air is less dense air, allowing a baseball to travel with fewer molecules, slowing it down and therefore equating to more long balls hit. Now, those throwing the uh, balls and those hitting them might beg to differ. There may be nothing global warming can't do, but at least fans can look forward to even more exciting home runs in America's pastime well into the future. If, of course, we have one. Democrat Governor Andrew Bashir has been ordered by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals to pay the legal fees of three individuals who were targeted by the Kentucky governor's unconstitutional ban on in-person church attendance during their uh, the early part of 2020. The Sixth Circuit has previously ruled back in May of 2020 that Brashear's ban violated the individual's constitutional rights. On Monday, the Sixth Circuit upheld a lower court's ruling that Bashir was responsible for paying the legal fees of the plaintiffs, which he had challenged. Of course, it won't be Bashir's personally um, paying for that. Um, uh, he won't be on the hook for those fees, but bluegrass state taxpayers, which is why Theodore Roberts, one of the plaintiffs, uh, in, uh, insightfully observed, I know a lot of people who are outraged that taxpayers are on the hook for Andy's unconstitutional violation. Twitter recently affixed a new tag to um, National Public Radio's official Twitter account, which had the left media outlet crying foul. The tag in question labeled NPR as state-affiliated media. It is technically, but it was due to the fact that it receives U.S. government funding. NPR took umbrage with the tag, arguing the label implied that the nonprofit media outfit was not independent and was simply a propaganda mouthpiece for the government. Twitter responded to NPR's objection by changing the tag to the more specific uh, designation of government-funded media. President Biden unveiled the nation's strictest emission standards in a bid to remake the auto industry. And only 20 percent of Americans have very likely to buy electric vehicles for their next car, even as some states want 100 percent adoption.
The Biden administration has relented and has begun handing over mishandled classified documents to Congress and senior Senator, rather, Tim Scott has taken the first step toward the 2024 presidential run. Chicago will host the 2024 Democratic National Convention. And George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley doubled down on warnings surrounding the dangers of artificial intelligence on Monday after he was falsely accused of sexual harassment by the online bot chat GPD, GPT, rather, which cited a fabricated article supporting the allegation. Turley, a Fox News contributor, has been outspoken about the pitfalls of artificial intelligence and has publicly expressed concerns with the disinformation dangers of the bot. The latest iteration of the AI chat bot. Well, last week, a UCLA professor and friend of Turley's notified him that his name appeared in a search while he was conducting research on chat GPT. The bot was asked to cite five examples of sexual harassment by U.S. law professors with quotes from relevant newspaper articles to support it. Five professors came up. Three of those stories were clearly false, including um, Turley's. Turley uh, reported uh, what was really menacing about the uh, incident is that the A.I. system made up a Washington Post story and then made up a quote from that story and said that there was this allegation of harassment on a trip with students to Alaska, a trip he had never taken. Well, that trip never occurred. I've never gone on any trip with law students of any kind. It had me teaching at the wrong school and I've never been accused of sexual harassment. But the whole story was generated by chat GPT. It was supported by articles um, that were uh, fabricated by chat GPT to support the original false allegations, which gives you some idea of the dangers of uh, this source for information. Governor Bill Lee calls for an order of protection law to keep guns away from dangerous individuals. And the Department of Justice recommended no jail time for a trans vandal at a, of a Catholic church. There were 32,000 fewer legal abortions in the U.S. in the six months after the Dobbs decision, new analysis suggests. And inflation rose just 0.1 percent in March and 5 percent from a year ago as the Fed Rate hikes take hold. A truck carrying toxic soil from the East Palestine truck uh, train derailment overturned, polluting a new area. And sales of Bud Light continue to plummet after the Dylan Mulvaney fiasco. Well, on this day in history, 1861, at the start of the Civil War, Fort Sumter in South Carolina falls to Confederate forces. 1943, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt dictates the Jefferson Memorial or rather dedicates in Washington, D.C. on the 200th anniversary of the third American president's birth. 1970, Apollo 13, a four-fifths of the way to the moon, is crippled when a tank containing liquid oxygen bursts. The astronauts would manage to return safely. 18, rather 1986, Pope John Paul II visits the Great Synagogue of Rome in the first recorded papal visit of its kind to a Jewish house of worship. 1997, Tiger Woods becomes the youngest person to win the Masters Tournament and the first player of partly African heritage to claim a major golf title. 1999, right-to-die advocate Dr. Jack Kevorkian is sentenced in Pontiac, Michigan to 10 to 25 years in prison for second-degree murder in the lethal injection of a Lou Gehrig's disease patient. Kevorkian would serve eight years in prison. 2005, Eric Rudolph pleads guilty to carrying out the deadly bombing at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics and three other attacks in back-to-back court appearances in Birmingham, Alabama and at Atlanta. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, President Trump announces that the United States 
France and Britain carried out joint airstrikes in Syria meant to punish President Bashir al-Assad for his alleged use of chemical weapons. Well, we've got news and traffic coming up here in just a few moments. And in the second hour of the program, a conversation with Mark Hitchcock, co-author of Global Reset. We'll also introduce you to the Christian astronaut who will pilot NASA's first crewed moon mission in over 50 years. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation. We began in the previous hour with Dr. Mark Hitchcock. He is, along with Jeff Kinley, the co-author of Global Reset, Do Current Events Point to the Antichrist and His Worldwide Empire? It uh, covers a lot of, of questions that people have about the details and uh, what to expect. You know, one of the things that I, I think a lot of people wonder about is with this notion of one world order, how the nations would come together. For example, um, is China going to be uh, cooperative? Is it going to be part of this new world order? You you write about the role that China is likely to play as opposed to the Middle East and different uh, parts of the globe. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's it's challenging to imagine, given what we see today, what it might look like in the future when there's a moment of unity and then the conflicts break out. Yes. Um, you know, China obviously is, I mean, they have mass power today by their, through their population, through their industry they have. I mean, they're, they're obviously the other key power now really to offset the United States. And, you know, people are projecting that their economy could be larger uh, than the economy of the United States you know, in, the, in the not too distant future. What's interesting, though, to me about this whole global reset and the uh, World Economic Forum, China is a key player in the World Economic Forum. Um, Klaus Schwab, his son, is married to a woman from China. And people have even called Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum uh, that, that meets in Davos, Switzerland every year. They, they've called uh, Klaus Schwab a China fanboy. They actually look to China as kind of the model for what they want the world to be like which, again, is totalitarian, um, you know, mass surveillance. You know, in China, they have a social credit score. Everybody has a social credit score. You're under so much surveillance, they constantly know what you're doing. I mean, it, it literally is the reality of, you know, Big Brother's watching that, um, you know, if, if your social credit score is low from things you do wrong, your Internet's slower, your kids can't go to certain schools, you can't travel. In fact, if you break leash laws, they come take your dog away. I mean, that's how – draconian it is and what they're watching so this is what the world economic forum looks at and this is the control they want they they want they want control in the world concentrated in the hands of of just a few people and a few major corporations and of course they believe that those people should be self-selected so they're you know they're the ones who are, who are going to do this but they, they really do see china as a model and um, you know we see in our own country today you know more and more a control over people's lives. We see it in Europe. Um, you know, there's more crime and lawlessness. A lot of these things are used in it, you know, as an excuse to, hey, we've got to have more control to, to, uh, to, to bring about, uh, you know, peace and safety. So China really is a nation that these global resetters look to as uh, kind of the model for what they perceive for the future. Do we find China referenced in Daniel 11? And what about the future of the United States in these events as they unfold? Well, yeah, China, you know, in, in, in uh, Daniel 11 there, it says that the Antichrist, he's going to hear rumors from the north and east, and he's going to go forth with great fury you know, and wrath to destroy and annihilate many. 
many people, Bible teachers, have taken that. You know, there's rumors from the north and the east is the the approach of the kings of the east. I mentioned in Revelation chapter 16. But my my view on that is when the Antichrist hears rumors from the north and east, he's actually down in, in North Africa. So rumors from the north and east would be in Israel. So he goes back to Israel to destroy and annihilate many and to, to persecute the Jewish people. So I don't see China there. I don't really see China um, anywhere. They, they could be part of the kings of the east, though, in Revelation chapter 16. It's a, a, great, a horde of nations from east of the Euphrates River. Um, the United States, that's an interesting question. I get asked that all the time. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the United States not, is not mentioned, obviously, directly in the Bible. You don't find the words United States or America. Some think there are veiled references to the U.S., you know, the, the, the uh, Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18, they'll say it's New York City, or, you know, the America's the Ten Lost Tribes of Israel, or a lot of different places they, they found America. I don't think America's mentioned either directly or indirectly, which raises the question, obviously, if we're the great world superpower we are today, you'd think we would be mentioned. So I think the, the scriptural silence about America is significant. To me, it indicates something happens to us. Again, people say, well, what will that be? Well, I I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But there certainly are plausible scenarios today, Uh, you know, some kind of a nuclear 9-11 or, you know, the the debt that we have, you know, 30 trillion and just massively growing, Um, the inflation uh, that we see in our country today to devastate our economy, Um, just a collapse from within. You know, there's there's God's wrath on, on a nation as they just continue to turn their back on him. So I don't know for sure. My own view is that really America's judgment could come at the rapture. You, know, you have all the salt and light is going to be extracted out of America in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And, of course, believers all over the earth will disappear. But at least from what statistics tell us, we somewhere around 8 percent of the people in America are true believers in Jesus Christ, the, the believers saved by God's grace alone, uh, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. And you know, that would be over 30 million people. So you talk about a drop on the Dow Jones the next day, you know, a mortgage crisis. I mean, it'd be devastating. So it could be that the rapture also happens maybe in conjunction with some of these other things as well, the debt we have, the, you know, the moral uh, corruption in our country, and that will bring us down to some kind of a second or third rate nation possibly after the rapture so that's that's what i see kind of putting the pieces together and i know there, there's some speculation involved in that but i don't think it's you know it's not uh, reckless speculation when we look at you know what could america's role be and we'll we'll probably just be absorbed ultimately into to the empire of the antichrist mm-hmm. i guess the, the the larger question is given the fact that god has given us enough information to let us know first of all he's in control that there are a series of events that we can anticipate, although we may not fully understand them at at our vantage point at this time. Um, what should our our response be? How should we live in light of what the scripture tells us and what what is coming? Well, yeah, obviously, if someone's listening, they've never trusted in Jesus as their Savior. That's what they need to do. They need to flee to Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God who came and, and bore our sin debt. He, he died on the cross for our sins. He rose the third day. And it's only through him that we can have salvation. It's only through him that we can go to heaven. So if someone's listening who's never done that, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But if we know the Lord, um, we need to be uh, ready ourselves, make sure we're living a life that's pleasing to God. Um, I think we need to be sharing this news with others. 
you know, telling people around us, you know, what the Bible says about the future. Again, you know, this isn't something that's far-fetched. Even people that don't know much about the Bible have a sense today that this world's getting near closing time, uh, that they sense that something's different. And so we, we need to be ambassadors uh, for Jesus Christ um, in this time in which we live. And uh, we need to live, as you mentioned earlier, that God's in control. There, there's 500 prophecies in the Bible that have already been fulfilled. There are 500 yet to be fulfilled. So the Bible has quite a track record. And uh, God knows the future, and he controls the future. And I always like to tell people, you know, if God's got the whole world in his hands, He's got your world in his hands. That's right. And a lot of us have a lot of problems and struggles in life. Um, and if God controls the world, and he controls my world. And that ought to be a great comfort to us. Whatever we face, a lot of, a lot of difficulties in this world. But um, I pray that will bring comfort to somebody here um, who may be listening this evening. Once again, the book we've been talking about, Global Reset, Do Current Events Point to the Antichrist and His Worldwide Empire? I'll just say that it's eminently readable, and if you uh, are not familiar with the scriptures and what they teach, this is a great guide to walk you through um, what's uh, what we're seeing, what's coming, and what the world has planned for our future, although God is sovereign. Dr. Hitchcock, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Uh, by the way, the book is published by Thomas Nelson. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, claiming freedom is under attack, California Governor Gavin Newsom took aim at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in a new campaign ad, claiming freedom is under attack in states such as Florida that are run by Republican governors. And the politics continues. CNN, ABC and NBC panelists on President Biden's response to the Dobbs decision said, well, he hasn't met the moment. Urging abortion proponents to take it back. A left wing commentator is calling on people to raise, well, hell in response to Rose reversal. Calling for the 4th of July to be canceled, woke Hollywood elites rallied on uh, social media protesting against Independence Day. And the government uh, cannot properly measure the impact of the hiring freezes in tech and finance companies. But officials remain bullish that current employment opportunities can mitigate any significant negative effects. Russia has turned the tide of war in uh, capturing Lizzy Kansk. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reports that Russian forces have captured Lizzy Kansk at uh, the last major Ukrainian stronghold um, in Luhansk, effectively placing under Russian control the eastern region at the center of the war in recent months. Russia's defense minister told President Vladimir Putin on Sunday that Russian forces, together with militia from a self-proclaimed Luhansk public, a People's Republic, had established full control over the area. Russia's Ministry of Defense reported a Ukrainian official confirmed that their troops were withdrawing from Lizyhansk. Uh, to avoid being surrounded. Russia's declared capture of the city after months of grueling battle signals a victory for Moscow and demonstrates how the tide of the war has shifted since March. CNBC says Russia's defense ministry also said on Sunday that it had struck the military infrastructure of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city in the northeast of the country, where Ukrainian forces have been digging in and building concrete fortifications after nightly shelling. A Reuters reporter said Ukraine says dozens of civilians have been wounded or killed in the region in recent weeks. The Associated Press went on to report that Russia's complete seizure of Luhansk would provide its troops with a stronger base from which to press their advance in the Donbass, a region of mines and factories that President Vladimir Putin is bent on capturing in a campaign that could determine the course of the entire war. 
A shooting at a 4th of July parade outside Chicago leaves seven dead and 24 hospitalized. At least seven are confirmed dead and 24 more hospitalized, hospitalized rather, after a shooting disrupted a 4th of July parade near Highland Park just outside of Chicago on Monday, causing parade goers to scatter and police to close off the area. The shooting began shortly after the parade got underway and multiple people were reportedly struck. A Chicago Sun-Times reporter saw several bloodied bodies covered with blankets and other people who were visibly wounded at the scene. USA Today weighs in, pointing out that Lake County Deputy Chief Christopher Cavelli said the gunman apparently opened fire from a rooftop. A rifle was recovered at the scene, but the suspect uh, should still be considered armed and dangerous before he was eventually captured. The city of Orlando apologized for suggesting a pause in celebrating Independence Day due to the state of the country. National Review reports that the city of Orlando issued an apology on Saturday after it suggested in its weekly newsletter that people may may not want to celebrate the 4th of July this year because the country is in strife. When has the country not been in strife, I ask? A lot of people probably won't want to celebrate our nation right now, and we can't blame them. Orlando's City News read on Friday, when there is so much division, hate and unrest, why on earth would you want to have a party celebrating any of it? But, of course, that's not what the celebration is about. Governor DeSantis, spokeswoman, said, oh, here we go. The city of Orlando apologizes if you were offended by their attack on the 4th of July. This is what happens when you elect uh, uh, Democrats. You guys, they don't uh, they do not have the same view of America as we do. End quote. Now, some Democrats might take issue with that. NPR foregoes a 30 year tradition of reading the Declaration of Independence in favor of equality talk on Independence Day. The woke taxpayer funded social justice warriors at NPR ended a tradition that was started in 1988 on Monday, canceling the annual July 4th reading of the Declaration of Independence and instead hosting more liberal thinkers on its broadcast uh, echo chamber for a conversation on equality. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas upheld the Biden border policy, saying, I think we're doing a good job. Well, Homeland Security Secretary CBS reported on Sunday defended the Biden administration's immigration policy following the deaths of some 53 migrants who were abandoned in the back of a tractor trailer, saying U.S. immigration officials have repeatedly warned against traveling to the southern border. We've said repeatedly and we continue to warn people not to take the dangerous journey. Mayorkas said in an interview with Face the Nation, we saw so tragically in San Antonio, Texas, one of the possible tragic results of that dangerous journey. And so many people don't even make it that far in the hands of exploitative smugglers. And we continue to enforce immigration law, as is our legal responsibility, end quote. Well, the secretary said migrants traveling through Central America to the U.S., uh, Mexico border often receive false information from smugglers that encourages them to attempt the journey. RNC research says that DHS Secretary Mayorkas on Biden's border crisis, I think that they are doing a good job. Liz Cheney vows to do everything within her power to keep former President Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. ABC reports the Justice Department should not avoid prosecuting Donald Trump in relation to the January 6th Capitol attack if a prosecution is warranted. Representative Liz Cheney said in an interview with ABC News this week. Uh, While bringing charges against the former president who may challenge President Joe Biden in 2024 would be unprecedented and difficult for the country, not doing so would support a much graver constitutional threat, Cheney said on Wednesday in an interview at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library that aired on Sunday on this week. Uh, This week goes on to say there's no question a man as dangerous as Donald Trump can absolutely never be anywhere near the Oval Office ever again, end quote. 
Jeff Bezos criticized President Biden for gas price misdirection. Uh, Amazon founder Bezos blasted the president again after the uh, commander in chief demanded that gas stations lower their prices and do it now. Bezos, a liberal and owner of the leftist Washington Post, criticized the comment in a tweet that questioned whether Biden understood basic economics. It was the second time in two months that Bezos has weighed in with stinging criticism of the president. Ouch. Inflation is far too important a problem for the White House to keep making statements like this, he said. It's either straight ahead misdirection or a deep misunderstanding of basic market dynamics. A new Harvard Caps-Harris poll found that 71 percent of Americans do not want the president to seek reelection. Twenty nine percent of respondents said they believe Biden should run, according to the poll that was conducted on the 28th through the 29th of June. Of those who said Biden should not run for a second term, 45 percent said it was because he is a bad president. Thirty percent said he is too old and about one quarter said it was a time for a change. Just 30 percent of Democrats said that they would vote for Biden in a Democratic presidential primary. Pete Arando um, has resigned as city councilman amid the fallout from the Robb Elementary School shooting. The National Review reports that Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Arredondo says he has resigned from his role as the Uvalde City Councilman. He uh, was on scene, uh, the commander, during the Robb Elementary School shooting that left 19 students and two teachers dead. He told the Uvalde Leader News on Saturday that he has stepped down from the role as a District 3 councilman. Arredondo was uh, placed on leave from his role as school district police chief last month after the Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McCraw called the police response to the shooting an abject failure. McCraw testified before a state Senate committee last month that Arredondo was the only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering the adjoining fourth grade classroom where the shooter was mercilessly slaughtering students and their teachers. Uvalde Leader News, Arredondo, reports that Arredondo, the Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Police Chief, was elected to the District 3 Council position on the May the 7th and was sworn in to that role on May the 31st, days after the May 24th mass shooting at Robb Elementary School, where 21 people died. New York passed a gun bill requiring people to disclose their social media accounts. The New York Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul signed a new gun bill, a gun control bill Friday after the Supreme Court ruled last week that the state's rules uh, that take uh, that make it difficult rather for residents to obtain a concealed carry permit were unconstitutional. The law struck down by the Supreme Court stated that gun owners would have to demonstrate proper cause to receive a concealed carry license. The new law will require people trying to purchase a handgun license to hand over a list of social media accounts. They've maintained over the last three years so officials can verify their character and conduct. The Washington Examiner weighs in. An applicant seeking a permit will need to meet with a licensing officer for an in-person interview, complete at least 16 hours of firearms training, and agree to store all firearms securely, according to the bill. The legislation will also create a statewide database for ammunition sales and license records and mandate sellers to keep records of every ammunition transition or transaction. rather, You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. And we'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, attacks on police have skyrocketed as the nation is seeing violent crime soaring across many of America's largest cities. 
Law enforcement are personally experiencing an increase in violence. So far this year, 178 police officers have been shot in the line of duty, an increase of 19 percent over last year. Of the officers attacked, nearly one-third of them were ambushed. Fifty-seven officers were shot, resulting in 12 deaths. National Fraternal Order of Police President Patrick Yose observed, Make no mistake, we are experiencing a real crisis with the level of violence directed at law enforcement officers. It's unlike anything I've seen in my 36 years in law enforcement. End quote. Some 346 officers were shot in 2021, 63 of them mortally. Last year was bad enough, but this year is looking worse. Just how much of this spike in violence against police can be laid at the feet of politicians who repeatedly promoted anti-police or defund the police rhetoric may not be quantifiable, but there is no question it significantly contributed to it. Morale among law enforcement has also been negatively impacted. Suicides have hit epidemic levels among officers, becoming the lead, uh, leading cause of death this year. Despite the uh, his claims to support the police, the president has remained mum in the face of these staggering uh, issues, even as he has spoken about the need to fund and provide mental health services for former criminal re- criminals reentering the society. Well, Team Biden blames the unvaccinated for inflation. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell recently deflected responsibility for the administration's policy-induced 40-year high inflation onto unvaccinated Americans. What did we get wrong? Powell asked. Looking at these uh, supply side issues and believing that they would be resolved relatively quickly, but that I mean there were going to be vaccinations. Everyone would get vaccinated. So the millions of people who dropped out of the labor force would come right back in. So wages wouldn't be under such uh, pressure. That didn't happen. Uh, Who ordered the lockdowns again and who uh, further exacerbated the predictability and the negative economic impact of millions not being able to work by mandating a controversial vaccine that put yet another needless roadblock in people's employment paths? Well, the president's one size fits all solution and the the funding to stay home uh, that ignored sound science and data for the sake of uh, pushing an agenda are a major culprit. He issued several vax mandates, even after he admitted doing so was likely unconstitutional. Combined the lockdowns, vaccine mandates and a COVID relief spending spree. And we can clearly see the causes of the economy's sky high inflation. The administration, not unvaccinated Americans, is to blame, no matter Powell's attempts to claim otherwise. Over 60 people were shot, 15 fatally, in a violent July 4th weekend in Chicago. President Biden proposes to block offshore drilling in the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans while allowing some in the Gulf of Mexico. Meanwhile, President Biden is being mocked for ordering gas stations to bring down prices, Jeff Bezos being among them. Senator Elizabeth Warren is calling for federal crackdown on pro-life pregnancy centers. And in a move to defund Wuhan, Congress quietly bans federal funds from labs in China, Russia and Iran. Republicans say the Google spam filter cost them about $2 billion from donors. And the stock market just had its worst first half of the year since 1970. 46 states saw GDP decline in the first quarter of 2022, and the U.S. Army announced unvaccinated National Guard and Reserve troops won't train and they won't be paid. TikTok has banned the Babylon Bee with no way to appeal that ban. Well, on this day in history, 1865, the Secret Service Division of the U.S. Treasury Department is founded in Washington, D.C., with a mission of suppressing counterfeit currency. 1935, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signs the National Labor Relations Act. 1946, the Bikini 
created by Louis Raird, is modeled by Michelle Somebody during a poolside fashion show in Paris. It was deliberately named uh, after the controversial nuclear test off the Bikini Atoll just days earlier. He wanted to garner attention. Well, certainly the name did, and so did the garment or the absence of a garment. 1947, Larry Doby, he debuts the Cleveland Indians, becoming the first black player in the American League three months after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in the National League. 1975, Arthur Ashe becomes the first black man to win Wimbledon, defeating Jimmy Connors 6-1, 6-1, 5-7, 6-4. 1991, a worldwide financial scandal erupts as regulators in eight countries shut down the Bank of Credit and Commerce International. 1994, Amazon is uh, founded by Jeff Bezos. 1996, Dolly the Sheep, the first mammal cloned from adult cells, is born. 2011, a jury in Orlando, Florida, finds Casey Anthony, 25, not guilty of murder, manslaughter, or child abuse in the 2008 disappearance and death of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. She is later convicted of four misdemeanor counts of providing false information to a law enforcement officer. 2016, FBI Director Jim Comey announces that Hillary Clinton was careless in her handling of a personal email server, but that was not criminal. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt resigns amid an ethics scandal that prompted more than a dozen federal and congressional investigations. Well, high gas prices um, are worth it for future of liberal world order. That's a quote from the White House economics advisor speaking on CNN. Well, the White House economics advisor Brian Deese suggested the pain at the pump was a price Americans had to pay for the future of the liberal world order in a CNN interview last Thursday. Well, CNN newsroom host Victor Blackwell played a clip of President Biden telling a reporter on Thursday at the NATO summit that Americans can continue to pay a premium for gas as long as it takes to win the war in Ukraine. Well, Blackwell asked Deese how the White House would respond to Americans worried uh, that they won't be able to survive paying close to or over $5 a gallon, potentially for years to come. The military analysts, the director of national intelligence, say this can be a long war measured in years. I think everybody understands why this is happening But is it sustainable? Why do you say that uh, to those families that say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, if not years, this is just not sustainable? Blackwell questioned. Well, Deese initially responded, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. The comment caused a stir on social media. Afterwards, the White House official praised President Biden's actions to lower gas prices as the good news. Good news over the last two weeks. We've seen the price of gas at the pump come down about 20 cents, but still unacceptably high, he remarked. Well, Deese explained the temporary federal gas tax holiday, pressure on oil companies and a potential price cap on Russian oil were measures that the president was taking to continue to bring those uh, prices down. Of course, none of that has actually happened yet. And Congress would have to approve a federal gas tax holiday, which would make very little uh, of a difference in the price of gas nationwide. But Blackwell continued to press the Biden advisor on Americans' dissatisfaction with the administration. He cited an AP NORC poll finding 69 percent 
disapprove of the job the president is doing on the economy, and 85 percent are unhappy with the direction the country is going. Deese responded that he sympathized with Americans' frustrations, but said they needed to remember the Biden administration had made historic economic progress, and this was a transition. And also remind the American people that even as we go through this challenging period, Even while we move through this transition, we also have made historic economic progress, and that's not to suggest that people shouldn't feel the anxiety that they feel. Uh, The Biden official touted how the United States was better and stronger positioned to tackle these problems. When asked what uh, he meant by transition, Deese said the administration wanted to return the economy to a much better place than it was under the Trump administration which he would be hard-pressed to do since it was significantly better. The economy pre-pandemic was not working for a lot of middle-class families, the economics advisor claimed, well, falsely claimed. A poll from June found that voters trust Republicans to handle inflation. That was a Fox News poll. Coming up, we're going to uh, talk a bit about an Ann Caldwell column on women after abortion caught in the crossfire. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Representative Jim Jordan, he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, issued a formal subpoena on Monday to FBI Director Christopher Wray. Chairman Jordan is demanding all relevant information from the FBI That regards its outrageous scheme to spy on Catholic churches. Now, you might think, well, I'm not a Catholic, but it's churches. Well, in his subpoena, Jordan blasted the FBI's response so far as substandard and partial with significant redactions. The FBI response had been largely useless, in other words. Well, after the scheme was disclosed by a whistleblower, Director Ray condemned it and insisted that it was just the work of one agent in one field office who wrote one memo. Chairman Jordan has uncovered evidence indicating it went well beyond that. The FBI evidently had at least one undercover agent actually infiltrating Catholic churches in the Richmond, Virginia area to establish so-called tripwire investigations on domestic terrorism and replicating that in other areas around the country were being considered. Jordan also alleges that the FBI was attempting to develop sources among the clergy to inform on Americans participating and practicing their faith. Well, this is literally what the KGB did in the old Soviet Union. Well, this is uh, literally what Xi Jinping's secret police do in communist China today. Well, speaking of communist China, an entire congregation of 63 Chinese Christians got visas to travel to Taiwan or rather Thailand. Let's get that straight. While there, they went through the legal process of becoming refugees to the United States. They were Arrested late last month for overstaying their visas, but by some miracle, and that's probably the right word, they were granted permission to come to the United States so that they can worship freely. I've been to China. I've met with uh, believers who are part of the underground church who longed for the freedom to worship openly. And while they were part of the underground church, and I think I've mentioned here before, I uh, went to one of those underground church meetings. I took several vehicles. I, I was by myself. I wasn't really sure where I was or who I was with, but different people would take over and take me from one place to another. We went up many stairs in a high-rise apartment building, um, met in a small apartment. They opened the door, and there were people packed shoulder to shoulder, sitting on the floor, sitting on couches, everywhere in the apartment, and they were singing worship songs. Now, they weren't whispering worship songs. They were singing them. 
There was no fear. And I have to admit, I was terrified. I wondered what would happen if they and I were discovered uh, in uh, this apartment holding an underground worship service. But they were free in their worship and um, undeterred by the political restrictions that were placed on them. So uh, the fact that these um, were allowed, these 63 Chinese Christians by some miracle were granted permission to come to the United States so that they can worship freely means something very personal to me. Well, it would be tragic if they, their long journey here resulted in them watching religious liberty being smothered by Marxism and Marxists, as many refugees from communist China are trying to warn us against. Sadly, our federal law enforcement agencies are increasingly infiltrated by those who are gripped by neo-Marxist ideology. They can't find any organization called Antifa because uh, they're too busy infiltrating churches and hiding Hunter's laptop. It is a um, it is a sad day in America. Well, in more, um, let's say, uh, uplifting news, a devout Christian astronaut will pilot NASA's first crewed trip around the moon in over 50 years as one of four people from two countries slated to make the trip next November. In an announcement earlier this month, NASA named the crew for the Artemis II mission. It's going to include NASA astronauts Christina Hammock, Cook, uh, Reed Weiserman, Victor Glover, and Canadian Space Agency astronaut Jeremy Hansen. The mission is a 10-day-long flight test of NASA's Orion spacecraft. Glover, who's going to be the pilot of the mission, was a former U.S. Navy commander who flew combat missions in Iraq. He served as a legislative fellow to the late U.S. Senator John McCain um, the, uh, before he joined NASA in 2013. Well, at the NASA event in Houston announcing the Artemis mission earlier this month, Glover said that he wanted to thank God for this amazing opportunity. And it wasn't just one of those phrases you use because, well, it sounds good. He actually meant it. Glover believes the celebration is about so much more than the four names that have been announced. We need to celebrate this moment in human history, he said. And he added the mission is meant to be the next step on the journey that gets humanity to Mars. I pray that God will bless this mission, but I also pray that we can continue to serve as a source of inspiration for cooperation and peace, not just between nations, but in our own nation, he added. Well, Glover is a member of the Churches of Christ in Houston, uh, having been uh, profiled in the Christian Chronicle in 2020 when uh, the astronaut was training for the six-month mission to the International Space Station. I want to use the abilities that God has given me to do my job well and support my crewmates and mission and NASA, he told the Chronicle in 2020. That's really the thing I think of the most. I think the most about. Well, Glover brought a Bible and communion cups to the station, saying he planned to engage in virtual service, virtual giving, reading my Bible and praying. Well, in addition to Glover being the first African-American to fly to the moon, uh, Cook will be the first woman to be to do a lunar mission, while Hansen will be the first Canadian. The uh, minister responsible for the Canadian Space Agency, Francois-Philippe Champagne, said in a statement that he's happy that Canada is at the center of this exciting journey. On behalf of all Canadians, he said, I want to congratulate Jeremy for being at the forefront of one of the most ambitious human endeavors ever undertaken. Well, Canada's participation in the Artemis program is not only a defining chapter in our history in space, but also a testament to the friendship and close partnership between our two nations, end quote. Well, the first NASA moon landing occurred in July of 1969. 
through the Apollo 11 mission. The last crewed mission to the crewed mission to the moon was Apollo 17, which was in December of 1972. Well, the crew of four scheduled to lift off next November will collaborate on work during the trip to execute a set of demonstrations for the flight test. I could not be prouder that these brave four will kickstart our journey to the moon and beyond. That's a quote from the director of flight operations, Norm Knight of NASA's Johnson Center, a space center. They represent exactly what an astronaut corps should be, a mix of highly capable and accomplished individuals with the skills and determination to take on any trial as a team. The Artemis II mission will be challenging and we'll, uh, we'll test our limits as we prepare to put future astronauts on the moon. With Reed, Victor, Christina, and Jeremy at the controls, I have no doubt we're ready to face every challenge that comes our way. Again, it will be uh, captained by a believer who intends not only to take his Bible, spend some time in prayer, and to take communion, who will be uh, leading this, uh, this effort. Also, I want to remind you that, you know, Mother's Day is coming up. And for those of you whose mothers are still with us, we want to encourage you to take advantage of an opportunity to win $2,000 for mom. Now, just think what you could do with uh, that kind of money uh, for your mom on Mother's Day. It's our annual Mother's Day $2,000 giveaway. You can get all the important details at kpdq.com. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Dave King for engineering, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.